Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Recall the Midwife, the fan podcast where we rewatch each episode of Call the Midwife and talk about it. We are three best friends. I'm Alex. I'm Becky. I'm Jen. A reminder that this week's episode deals with traumatic birth, abandonment, cancer, sex work, and childhood trauma. So if those are topics you would prefer to skip this time, we understand and hope you join us for the next one. In this week's episode, we meet mother-to-be Roseanne Dawley. Roseanne goes into labour early while she's at home alone. When Nurse Crane is delayed in getting to her, and after a mix-up with the rotors, Delia is forced to step in and talk Roseanne through the birth. Dennis, Roseanne's husband, is considerably older than her, and when Roseanne struggles to cope with motherhood, Because of her own abandonment and self-esteem issues, Nurse Crane becomes concerned. Meanwhile, Violet has joined Trixie's exercise class and later, when she's taken Fred through the routine at home, her back spasms and Dr Turner puts her on bed rest, forcing Fred to step into her shoes at the haberdashers with Barbara's help as his assistant. Dr Turner and Sheila still haven't figured out the link between smoking and lung cancer. Dr Turner arranges a chest clinic and Timothy volunteers to help. So afterwards, Timothy decides to use psychology to convince Dr. Turner and Sheila to quit smoking, and he pretends to have taken up the habit, much to their horror. Dr. Turner treats Frank Phillips, who has refused radiotherapy. Dr. Turner helps Frank to accept treatment to give him more time with his family. So, shall we start by talking about the Dawleys? Yes. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Girls, this storyline, I wonder, I don't know if my deleted scenes just gave me you know just like took a lot of context away but I literally was like what is up with this girl until finally it was revealed I was what is wrong with this girl what is going on with this lady like she was just like she was all over the map for me for like the full 45 minutes and then it was like oh this is what it is oh okay all right okay now I can get with it but anyways it just really mystified me also just to start on this storyline they first showed her heavy pregnant smelling whatever her husband her older husband was making oh see i missed that part what is he making (laughs) oh it was yeah yeah he's some sort of perfumer or or something it was incense yeah oh see i didn't get any of that because we didn't that was all deleted scenes but it seemed to be like religious incense and i thought that's a very strange thing but then he lived in a really big house and had a maid and i thought how how is it yeah i mean i guess there's a market for it you know it's kind of like a captive audience you know in a way right it did quite look quite exciting when he was first making it like a little dash of this and frankincense and myrrh and uh oh yeah that 
that that really helps because for the for the people watching like I do where I watch it on Netflix with the deleted scenes and everything she kept on talking about oh you know the perf- like you know like when they first in our episode she comes into his bedroom as he's like putting on his tie or whatever and she says something like no I, I love you like and, and you know I, I want something to you know be-. she mentions frankincense and myrrh and I was like okay this is weird like I don't get why you're talking about that but like I mean I guess you know all couples have their things like far be it for me to like you know understand whatever like every couple you know like has is their own little you know creepy inside jokes that they talk to each other about or whatever but then like she mentioned a couple more times at the end you know when she came back and everything like to for good and I was like and then how they met in a church and I just thought maybe she just met him like just in church but now it okay now okay this this makes a lot more sense yeah but obviously he's a lot older and um, mrs dash is their cleaner and they talk about that and he's like me and mrs dash we're just a pair of old slippers when you should have dancing shoes it just reminded me of the quote that we completely got wrong the other day about i don't even know i can't even remember it again yeah there's just there's a sock for every old slipper but we had said like there's a foot for all of every old sock or something (laughs) there's a foot for every lid or something we said (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I just say about Mrs. Dash? Mrs. Dash is say is telling Roseanne that she's going to be coming every day after the baby's born. That she gives birth to the baby. We never see Mrs. Dash again. Oh, she's gone. Where was Mrs. Dash when the baby was being born? Yeah. Also, I. Do, wait. Just as a quick side note, do you guys have? Do you guys have any other frame of reference for Mrs. Dash? Like it's really making me laugh that it, that the housekeeper's name was Mrs. Dash. But do you, does that mean anything to you guys? No. no. Okay, so in the States, we have a product called Mrs. Dash, and it's seasoning. It's like a it's like a pre-mixed seasoning thing that you buy in the store. And there used to be these commercials on TV that was like, oh, something, something, like Mrs. Dash. And then you'd like see like a little sprinkle of like the thing coming out or whatever. And they had like probably lots of different flavors and whatever. But Mrs. Dash, like when you... <laughs> I'm talking about Mrs. Dash, I'm just thinking about well, like... Well, can I just say that explains where Mrs. Dash was then? She was opening up a massive <laughs> empire in America of, uh, of seasoning. Yeah, exactly. She had. When a... you said it was a product, I thought you were going to say it was a cleaning product. I was like, I did too. That. Well, no, I. I mean, you guys have Mister Clean. Do you guys have Mister Clean over there? No, we've got Mister Muscle. Oh, see, I think they're the same thing, but just branded differently for different yeah. countries. Because, because Mister Clean is like this bald-headed guy with a white t-shirt, and he's got big muscles on in his white t-shirt, and he's always kind of standing. See, ironically, like... our Mister Muscle was like had no muscles. Yeah, he was skinny. Cause really? You, you, yeah, because you didn't need that, muscles that was to the use point. it. You didn't need muscles. Oh, he was the muscle. Yeah. Well, the, the product, product was the muscle. Right, Mister Muscle was the muscles. So, but but wouldn't no no no. <laughs> no. He did. He had Mr. no muscles. Muscle. He was really weak and skinny because he didn't need muscles because the product was so good. It soaked the dirt off and cleaned it did easily. He didn't need to put any elbow grease in. But you're. But are you talking about like a character in a commercial that's yeah. selling you yeah. the product? I mean, yeah. I think we've gone far off topic. I think we have too, but wait, I just have to finish this really quickly because I, the way I'm thinking about it is like our Mr. Clean, like the guy on the bottle is Mr. Clean and he's Mr. Clean, like he personifies the product. Yeah. So he is a strong product. Thus, I know, he and that's what we're bottle. saying as his complete antithesis of that and his name's Mr. Muscle. Right, okay, wow. well, it's two, it's two sides of a coin, I guess. It doesn't I mean, make any weird. sense why he's called Mr. Muscle, yet has none. Yeah, because, like, the point of Mr. Clean is that, like, yeah, you don't have to work hard to, like, get it clean because the cleaning product is so strong. But he's mostly... The cleaning product itself, like in its marketing in our country, projects strength, not because it's like, because it's. Whereas ours, it was very much this weakling who (laughs) cleaned. And he looked like he, he just was so thin. He looked, you know, like the knots in <laughs> arms or whatever. You know, that's that saying. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a noodly guy. Yeah, and he just cleaned. And uh, it worked really well, even without him being strong. Oh, wow, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I, I love this topic. But yes, we are very far away from... But I just had to mention about Mrs. Dash. I will say, I didn't also really understand... I Like, obviously, Mrs. Dolly was pregnant. So I was like, okay, so she's the mom. But then I was... Then they I felt like it was a little bit unclear until it, they really spelled it out that she was actually the wife of Mr. Dolly, not that she was like a daughter or I mean, because they are they have yeah. a pretty significant age. Well that, gap, I think yeah, so. yeah, well I think that's that was the whole thing though, isn't it? Like they yeah. are an unusual couple and he's that's why he says, you know, we yeah. should, we, look at us we old slip couple of old slippers when he should be having dancing shoes. Um <laughs> I think I think Nurse Crane was suspicious of the age gap from the off. Yeah. 
Well, also because you've got a lot of times when people can be a bit groomy. Yeah. Even <laughs> before, even before Roseanne was struggling to cope, I think Nurse Crane was like, mm, "Something not right here." But actually, mm. it wasn't anything wrong with Mister Dull. If anything, he was absolutely lovely. Yeah. Yeah, he was really nice and actually and very not creepy at all. Like he was genuinely yeah. really lovely, really, really. And I bet yeah. he smelled nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then also, like, I thought they were going somewhere with the whole illiteracy part of the storyline. Same. Yeah, because they seemed to be like really driving that point home. And then I guess what it was was that she was, you know, had this really terrible childhood, which we'll discuss. Oh, yeah, I think they were just trying to show how vulnerable think... she is. She was. Yeah, and it did, but I don't think it really added anything. I think they could have just done away with that. I feel like I... they had to do. I think maybe it should. It would probably was cut out some of the scenes, you know, probably a bit longer. Yeah. But I think they probably did that in order to show that she had left and they had to show it some way, but she couldn't leave a vo- voicemail. So they had to, like, write it. But then everyone was like, well, <laughs> if she was so well-educated and stuff, she wouldn't have been in a house. Do you know what I mean? I think they just did it to yeah. make it just a bit convenient that it happened and tied up lots of loose ends. I, I, I need this... to... Oh, sorry, Jen. No, you go ahead, Bex. I'll say no, that. you go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I say this with love for the writers because we all know that they are so, so brilliant. But Roseanne Dolly's storyline kind of had a winding quality that made me think that maybe the writers just were getting lost in her storyline. And then they were like, wait a minute, what is she doing? Wait a minute, why is she here now? And then they were like, like they kept on like leaving it and almost coming back. And it was like, they couldn't remember exactly what they what the point was. And then they're like, well, maybe she's illiterate. Oh, wait, maybe she had a bad childhood. Oh, wait, maybe she's a prostitute. Oh, wait, maybe she's like, you know, like da, da, da. And it was like, I, they just they it, first I hardly disagree the felt, writers never do anything wrong Jennifer uh well I found it frustrating like I just and I've watched this episode multiple times and every time I watch it I'm like I can't remember I'm like oh my god what what like what's going on with it like well, I never got, in, in defense of the writers I'm gonna say not everyone's just got the one thing yes she was illiterate yes she was a sex worker yes she was scared of being a mother Yes, <laughs> but you don't have to just have one thing. You can have multi-layers of lots of things that are terrible that happen to you. You you can, you can. But I felt like they were trying to kind of have almost like, like they kept on kind of, you know, okay, here's what it's like. Here's what it's like. If you've ever read like a, like a, a mystery novel that you buy at like the airport bookstore when you're on your way to vacation and you start reading it and you're like oh no like the crime happened okay and then there's like six different people that have could could have done the crime and then you're kind of following through the whole story and you're like well, maybe it's that person maybe it's that person maybe it's that person and like at a certain point in the book you have to start the, the author has to start eliminating people who could have done it because you're discovering things about them they have alibis they have like reasons why it wasn't them or whatever to try to like get you to the end but there are times where it's like you get to the end and you're like okay yeah it was like that lady who killed you know the guy or whatever like that but then like I've looked back and it's like well but wait a minute like this isn't adding up like what's going on here and I just felt like they were trying in that way to kind of like misdirect and misdirect kind of to kind of build this like tension and mystery around like the fact that she was going to leave and then da 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 but why and who knows and you know what's going on and like okay like here's a perfect example when the husband comes in and she's just left the baby at Fred and Vi's and they come back and then it's just the two of them talking and he's like taking care of the baby and she comes in and she's like oh you know I don't know if I'm cut out for this and he's like no you are love like I think it'll get better like everyone has trouble and she's like no no, you don't understand. I'm not real. And I literally was like, is this chick a ghost? Like, is this like, this is like a sixth sense? Like, what are we doing? Like, where is she going with this? Like, she's abandoning the baby. Like, I, just there was just, I don't know. Anyways, sorry. Well, and, that, I feel, and that one point that she makes about not being real and, and Dennis saying to her, you'll be real to our daughter, still yeah. made no sense at the end. There you go. Well, hang on. Exactly. I feel like we're, we're we're skipping a lot out of context as well. So okay. she is a lot younger. She has she has the baby on her own. Uh-huh. And that that was so such a harrowing scene. Yes, I need to shout yes. out two pieces of acting. First of all, Nurse Crane acting on that bike. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse Crane, same, same. The bike acting. It was so good. Nurse, put Crane, Nurse Crane's bike break. race bike ace. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse Crane's car is broken down So she gets the call She says I'll be there in five minutes She then has to get a bike I don't even know if she was acting I don't Because can you even <laughs> act Not like the shakiness at the start I spoke a few episodes ago About how I had this grand plan cycle to work And then I was so bad on a bike And that is exactly what I look like I hate riding It just hurts my bum But it was also <sighs> Nurse Crane's face Like I honestly feel like perhaps 
for the, yeah. for the actress. If you've done more than one take, she's just oh, I'm I'm absolutely knackered. Cobblestones <laughs> so, and everything. I mean, and she's got yeah. that big bag. Like, yes. Yeah, it's not easy. Delia had to talk Roseanne through the birth, but the actress's acting of giving birth, like I felt like I was straining along with her. Oh, she was she was brilliant. Delia was brilliant as well. It was just a brilliant, Delia brilliant scene. Delia was amazing. Awful, but brilliant. But let's not let's not forget again because I'm I'm so harping on this. The misdirection. The first time we meet Roseanne, or at least the first time I met her, she's in the examination room at the clinic, and she's talking to Sister Winifred, and she's like, "Oh, can you tell me about like you know like if the baby gets sick or like what's that all about? Like fill me in on all this like newborn stuff." And Sister Winifred's like, "Yeah, babies can get sick for lots of reasons. Like, what do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, I don't know. Like, what about anything? Like, just tell me stuff." And she's like, "Well, I gave you a pamphlet. Did you read the pamphlet?" And she's like, "Oh, I think I lost it or whatever." She's like, "Okay, I'll give you another pamphlet." And she's like, "No, I don't really don't want you to give me another pamphlet. I want you to like tell me what's in the pamphlet." Pamphlet. And then you, and then when she's sounding out the words as she's reading the pamphlet, when the labor starts, I was like, yeah. oh, well, maybe this chick is just not just, but like maybe like illiteracy is the, is the thing she's having issue with. And that's where a lot of her anxiety is coming because she feels really unprepared because she hasn't been do, able to do as much like, you know, prep work, like reading things, you know, reading articles or wh- whatever to kind of get ready. And so that and but then like Sister Winifred's interaction, I felt like just dropped off until literally the third act. Anyway, just to say, but then she has this harrowing birth scene and I did feel really bad for her. I was like, oh, my God. Yes, she was on her own giving birth and then the baby wasn't breathing and Delia was really, really good on the phone, like, you know, telling her what to do. Yeah. It was annoying me in the way she just kept crying and not actually rubbing the back of the baby, like, rub the back of your baby! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So then it was a really harrowing birth. She She gave birth to the baby and I feel like the birth beforehand before she was nervous and everyone is but she was extra nervous she was there was extra something shifty let's be honest we all we all thought it was the uh the illiteracy but then obviously now we know she had anxiety for other reasons she was left as a baby um Mm -hmm. but we found that out but anyway so she she didn't take to being a mum quickly and well and just to say breastfeeding Oh, she sorry, she also sorry just to say like she she didn't take being a mom but she also did not feel though she loved her husband and felt like he was very very sweet to her which he was she clearly felt deeply uncomfortable about being in that house because she was what I think now in hindsight syndrome. when she, yeah when she said like I'm not real what she really meant was I don't belong here I don't feel that I belong here or like you said I imposter syndrome like I don't I'm not really good enough for this this isn't really for me that kind of thing but Anyway, sorry, just to go yeah. back to what you were saying. So there was a scene where, so she'd given birth and everything was a bit more settled. And she had the baby, she had a little girl and she was yeah. breastfeeding. And she didn't like the idea of breastfeeding. She didn't like it. Nurse Crane, I thought, was actually quite forceful on the breastfeeding there. She was like, you know, you just give it more of a chance. And the husband was, yes, yes, breast is best. It's the best thing to do. And uh, when, when was that? We didn't get that scene. Was that before she left the baby at Vi or after? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that before. before. Oh, okay, before. Okay. Um, but Nurse Crane, so in the, in the moment, Nurse Crane was quite forceful. But then she did get rid of, rid of Mr. Dawley because he was quite pressured. Yeah, she dismissed then- and that's when I thought she was very I mean she I think at that point she probably knew something was up with Roseanne yeah. didn't know what it was and assumed it was Dennis poor Dennis mm. yeah definitely because because of his age which obviously kind of what's the word confused things a bit I think that maybe I don't know if it was intentional I know what you mean it was a bit more mishmash than normal but maybe they were showing that to show that not everything's clear and you know yeah well, it, made, se- it made sense that the first thing Phyllis would assume is maybe there's a problem with the marriage not necessarily there's a problem with the mom because we've just seen marriage problems and like husband problems like so much on the show and the mom isn't usually kind of the person who's having the major issue usually there's something kind of external to her and it's oftentimes a husband who's yeah now remember in like the 60s he used to make the parent the mother stay in the hospital or whatever or home bed rest for 10 days sounds absolute bliss Uh, but nowadays it's just get them up or whatever but now Roseanne Dawley where you're talking about like enforced (laughs) invalidism as like something you would absolutely love to do The irony is, if I had to do it, I'd be awful at it. Anyway. uh... (laughs) Every week you're like, oh my God, if I could just get a coma for five days, like book me in. (laughs) Someone run me over. I need a really light concussion. 72 hours off from work. If anyone sees me crossing the road in Cheshire, just go for it, yeah. Yeah, just give her like a really, you know, like just a tap. Just enough to knock her over. Just enough for concussion. Yeah, anyway. just one of those like bandages around the head and then a little light <laughs> light work, you know. 
So a husband had paid for uh, Violet G Shop. You're right, Bex. They're never out of it. Uh, a yeah. husband had paid no. for a like a cover for the for the like was it a baby cover or a yeah it was like, like a, a prom cover yeah. But they didn't know what they were having, so he paid for one, and then she knew it was going to be pink or blue when she collected it. So yeah. she got out of bed and went to collect it. And Barbara was there. We'll talk about that in a minute as to why Barbara was there. Mm -hmm. So she was outside with the baby and everything. And then they noticed that the baby was still there and that Roseanne wasn't. Right. And they called her name and it was like, oh, wait a minute. She's like really not here. Oh, sorry, girls. Can I just rewind one thing, though? Roseanne, when she was having that baby, another mom on this show who's like, you don't understand. I can't have this baby. Seriously, it's it's as much as come away. It's like, I can't have this baby is like truly like something so many moms say. And then also another example of the fact that they're still leaving prams unattended outside the house or outside yeah. the shops or outside the wherever. I really think that pram was there for a long time because all of yeah. the, all of the customers they were weren't in the process of closing up the shop yeah yeah a boggler and then the thing is they they they're like oh we know exactly whose baby this is like there's no no question about it like we literally saw the mom with this baby like uh, like not long ago whatever and so then phyllis takes the baby back to roseanne and she's like oh my god you know like i was like come back or something yeah like i like I, I i don't know what was going on but like we found the baby and you know she was like oh oops i i ooh, and you know she's like yeah it's really lucky you know we found her and everything and she's like oh but i i you know it did seem like she she was really she was gonna be okay there and phyllis is like wait a minute what yeah i mean everyone at violets is nice but what are you this is what are you talking about and then anyway. well she did she did say something weird like i was just i just set off to go i just went back and she wasn't there or something it was a weird there was no time yeah. for her not to be there and her to be there. they would have caught each other on the way so it was a lie obviously Right, right. So then, it's, so obviously they're reuniting. She's like, don't tell my husband. Nurse Crane brought the baby back and she was like, don't tell my husband, don't tell my husband. So he, Mr. Dorley, didn't get told about the fact that she'd just abandoned the child at the haberdashery. Yeah. If Mrs. Dash had been visiting, she would have realised that the baby wasn't there. True. So <laughs> yes. again, yes, getting definitely. away from her responsibilities. Um, so then Nurse Crane, because obviously they do so many visits, it's like every half hour when the first born these uh, midwives <laughs> <laughs> and nurse crane comes round and she can hear the baby crying and she's knocking yeah. on the door and no one's coming so my favorite thing was nurse crane just getting the key from under the mat yeah in, yeah yeah but you know to your point though like she comes in and she and she like investigates she finds the baby there all by 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 the baby's oh lonesome and then she just she just has to hang out she just literally because i mean we talk about them coming all the time but she like she's like the idea is that she has a whole list of things to do she's supposed to come you know spend i don't know half an hour whatever and then like be on her merry way i was like when is the husband going to get back from the meeting you know what i mean because like yeah. he left in the morning there was a scene about that well and there was a writing just... as well there was a there was she'd written as we were talking about the fact that she could, couldn't write very well it was like a child's writing yeah yeah um, saying I, what did it say sorry i can't do this please forgive me i can't do this i've gone yeah i think that was pretty much it i don't understand why dennis didn't confide in nurse crane as to what like her prostitution sex work background well i think that's probably because i think that's what they were trying to well i think it was supposed to be the big reveal as well for us um, mm. towards the end but also mm. I feel like it's like this is a he knew kind of where she would be maybe and he thought he could sort it out himself without getting the authorities involved maybe he thought if they knew about a background or anything like that and if she was going back uh, to anything yeah. like that they might take the baby yeah well, and also like I think and never forget like just the social mores of like shame and guilt yeah. and everything are so incredibly high I mean even nowadays that would be tough you know you wouldn't want someone knowing like a a, a history that included something like that if they didn't have to know probably so but if you've just abandoned a baby, I feel as if it's it's up there with a medical letting a medical professional know what's going on. True, unless yeah. he was doing as Alex said, which is like really trying not to get the authorities involved because if she had that history and then she abandoned the child, they you know it might be a call. And also, he did service, try and you know? find her, so he, I think he probably was trying to take matters into his own hands, thinking he could sort it before it got so far. Yeah, well, you know, I think he really had the thing of like, oh, just give it a couple of days, and like it'll it'll all. You know, you'll start feeling better. I mean, he didn't say that explicitly, but that was kind of how he was like, "Oh, it's it's always tough at the beginning." You know, just you know, just kind of lean it. You know, just give yourself some time, and you'll you'll start to get there. You know what I mean? He was very nice. So he then searches Cable Street and all around the docks looking for Roseanne. Then he just keeps going up to other random sex workers with brown hair and being like, <laughs> "Roseanne," and they're like, "What are you?" Apparently, 
Apparently that hairstyle was very popular. That like really like bouffant, <laughs> but like super smooth, you know, chignon type of look or whatever. Well, went up yeah, to every girl. that's what all the sex workers are wearing. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't find her. And in the meantime, Sheila Turnover is spoken to by Nurse Crane about, about Roseanne's past medical records and stuff. So she mm. gets Sheila Turner or Sheila Turnover the special agent, to do... So we'll talk about that in a minute. Do you know uh, when you said that? I didn't understand what you were saying. I didn't understand it at all. And I was like, Thank you know what? Just keep quiet. It'll it'll make sense, I'm sure, at some point or or whatever. I'm just not smart enough to know. Well, it does now, does it? Yeah. I, 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 I don't... I, I, that was a delete. I don't... I didn't... I still don't get right, that. Right. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But okay. anyway, so she looks into her files. Can't find anything, but then goes away, does a bit more research, and she basically finds out she's been in prison. She's had lots of STIs. And they put two and two together and realise that she was a sex worker. Mm. And then it all kind of starts make, to make sense. They realise that she also was in a home because he said he, she was visiting a mum. And she's like, well, she can't be visiting a mum if she obviously didn't have yeah. one. You know, she was right. an abandoned child. So anyway, cut to, we see Roseanne and she's gone back to her friend's house. Now her friend, can I just say, Mrs. Tanner her name was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Her friend, I'm doing, uh, like, basically one of her fellow sex workers. Yeah, they're still friends. Yeah, but I feel like it's not like me popping around your house. Well, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> They're colleagues. They're colleagues, okay? They were, ex- former- they were ex-colleagues. No, but it was a, it's a good friend. And I do have to say, she was an amazing friend to Roseanne. Well, yes. uh, she finally said the thing that I think, well, I know I was thinking the whole time. Because she was like, wait a minute, what happened? Like, is he a bad guy? Did he like, you know, what did he say? Like, black your eye or like, you know, twist you up or something like that. Whatever she said. And she was like, no, no, no. He treats me like a prince. And then she's like, okay, so, okay, so I'm not getting it. Like, what's going on here? She's like, oh, I, I don't belong there. Like, I just am not, it's not right or whatever. She's like, wow, I guess you have a lot of free time on your hands of like you get to think up all these things like as problems, you know? And she was like, It was amazing. It's not like that. And she's like, well, okay, listen, like I would literally give anything to get out of this hellhole. So like it kind of is like that, but all right. I mean, I guess, you know. Well, also then, so she was telling, she told Roseanne exactly how it was. She was like, you're absolutely insane for coming back here. I've got a daughter. I want to protect her from this as long as I could. And you're literally bringing yourself back to it. And then she called an artist's house. The friend did. Here, yeah. yeah, a friend called it, Mrs. Tanner. Oh, okay. We which didn't I have think that is part. absolute <laughs> boss move. How did you think that Dr. Nurse Crane found her? I don't think I thought she found her. I think she thought I. I think she just came back. In my episode, I, I think she just came back. Like, just was like. Oh, no, she so went to you... Nurse Crane. Went Nurse Crane and Sister Winifred went to Mrs. Tanner's oh, house. They went there. Yes, yes, yes. But I didn't. I was just like. I just. I guess I just thought that between Sheila and Sister Winifred talking to Nurse Crane about it, that they just kind of figured it out, and then they just uh. went. There. And then that was how they got there. Because I did have this big scene where they have a cup of tea and Phyllis kind of tells her story. And then that's what, you know, which was really beautiful. And oh my God, we have to talk about that too. But yeah, I think- So beautifully acted. I feel like the the actress who played Roseanne did an amazing, beautiful monologue as well. Mm. Talking about how her life and how she wasn't, she wasn't, she couldn't do it. And then yeah. Nurse Crane, there was a bit of an insight into Nurse Crane's life because there, there was intimation that her mum kind of dabbled because she was saying, you know, my mum, you know, she she did, she did things everything. That, she had everything. Yeah. yeah. She never let me go without. She never let me, you know, kind of miss a meal. You know what I mean? Like she did everything, and people didn't think she was always like the greatest person. But she's like, she, I, I, she was the best woman in the world to me. Oh, it was oh. so beautiful, so moving. But also, also just a word oh, sorry, to one say. more thing. Okay. Nurse Crane also did an amazing speech about hard work makes a mother. You know, talking about what because she was saying how I don't know how to be a mother, and she was like, hard work makes a mother. Not you know, you don't not you don't necessarily know how to do, it, but hard work, and that just made me absolutely. I I, I literally stopped. I literally paused the paused the episode because I thought this was so beautiful and literally just so 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 true. And I was like, oh, should I save this for our quote thing? And then I was like, no, 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 we're gonna have to talk about it right now. So I wrote, this is what Phyllis said. She said, hard work makes a mother. We like to think something magical happens at birth, and for some, it does. But the real magic is keeping on when all you want to do is run. And I just thought, oh my god, Andrew. like it, it uh, hit it's... me so hard because I've said before on the podcast, it took me a while. I was yeah. poorly all this. That absolutely struck such a chord with me that I just was like a sobbing mess. I had to stop it for like ten oh. minutes and just have a big cry. It was really beautiful, and I'll, I'll just say, like, you know, I I don't have kids of my own, but like, obviously, I, you know, there's many 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 moms you know in my in my life that I love and cherish and everything and you know some of them before they had kids did not kind of display a lot of maternal you know inclination or whatever and some did and I can just say without a doubt that like 
all of the moms I know, whatever their feeling was prior to having kids or whatever the feeling was when they gave birth or whatever like that, they are all amazing moms. And I and I just say that because I think that there's a lot of like pressure and expectation to kind of have this like magical epiphany or just always have this like maternal quality, whatever the hell that means or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, no, if you're a mom and also like, you know, this this like thing about, you know, like like a birth parent or whatever, that that's also very complicated for many, many people. And just to say like, you know, when you're showing up, you know, every single day, like doing the work, putting in the time, putting in the effort, that is what matters. And that is, and and actually, and actually, just to call back to a previous episode. In the episode, words of Fred Buckle, proximity. Fred Buckle said, proximity, like what matters is being there, doing it being with your kids is what makes you a parent and I just yeah anyways I just it was absolutely beautiful so anyway just (laughs) to cut back to the end of this let's finish up on on Roseanne yeah Nurse Crane and Sister Winifred because bearing in mind Sister Winifred's been doing work with sex workers as well so it was actually quite good because Mm -hmm. also Roseanne was religious so it was good to have Sister Winifred there to kind of back up for Nurse Crane Mm -hmm. Uh, they actually managed to get her back home and persuade her and her friend was all for it as well and it was actually a really moving scene when they, she did go home. She kind of ran in. She It's like she realised she she did want to see her daughter. She did need to see her. And she ran mm. into this home that she didn't feel like was hers and she felt like an imposter in. And then she named her daughter. And what did she name her? She named her Faith. But I think we should also say that a lot of what Roseanne was feeling, like she was feeling a lot of shame and abandonment because of her childhood. Like, yeah, she had obviously been abandoned into a children's home. She didn't now. She's obviously now living in this grand house. She doesn't feel good enough. Yeah, she's got a lot of self-esteem issues. So it, it's not just. I feel as if it's not just difficulty adjusting to being a mother. Like she's oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, she's carried a lot of issues with it. But what I also loved is so she she talks about when she met. Dennis at the she was drawn to the church because she felt like she belonged there and that's where she met Dennis because he brought frankincense to the church which he said was perfume of the sanctuary but what I loved was that Dennis wasn't I thought when we found out that she was a sex worker I thought Dennis was going to have been a customer oh Oh, I worried about that I thought about that too yeah Yeah. so I was very relieved you know what I just thought he was I don't know why that's terrible for me. No, no, so I was I was quite thankful that that's not how they met. Yeah. Well, also I think that I think we've just talked about it ourselves though. The fact that it is such a complex. She had such a complex background with such complex feelings that it. I think that does show with the writing how complex the whole situation was. And judgmental Nurse Crane's attitude to Dennis changes as soon as she hears all that. Yes, I do love Nurse Crane though, so I can't I can't I do. be mad at her because I'd be I'd be judgy just straight away as well. <laughs> That's not like order. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh gosh, oh gosh. Phyllis was a real superhero this episode. Yeah, I love Phyllis. Oh. All right, do we think we covered it? I mean, that was a big storyline. That was a big one. Yeah, and there were there were not as many, I mean, there were as many storylines, but that was the only kind of birth that we had this week. Mhm. Mhm. And that that one really took up the most time for sure. It was a very winding road. It was absolutely so we- a brutal birth. Should we explain um, <laughs> Sheila's new title? Yes, we should. Okay, girls, I don't know about Sheila's special title, so tell me all about it. Bex, do you want to do it? No, you do it, Alex. <laughs> I was just like, this is such a minor story. <laughs> so... There was a health report that came out and they were kind of celebrating and being a bit jokey at the home, the Turners. And they were talking about oh, how... I saw this. I saw this. 
Yeah, and she was saying about him being a special agent, licensed to practice medicine, and she's Sheila Turnover, the uh, sidekick of the of the doctor. Well, no, because they're, they're saying it because Timothy. There was this new. There was the article, but Timothy was hoping that Doctor Turner. I don't know why he would call him Doctor Turner, um, but he was hoping that it was the new James Bond novel. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, so does. <laughs> <laughs> that does make more sense than my explanation, but I did forgot that actual major part of it. There we go. Now we're all. I definitely didn't see the whole new like Ian Fleming novel part of it come out. I didn't. I didn't catch any of that. I did see them reading the thing about like lung lung issues in London or something. And they were and smoking they were, whilst reading it. Yeah, I love and they, that they were sharing a cigarette while discussing lung cancer. <laughs> I know. And then and then it was. It really made me laugh because it was very much one of those moments where you know they're sitting there and they're like, oh my god, the air quality. I guess is just really really bad. Like puff 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 and then tim is like do you really think it's air quality you don't think there's anything else it could be and dr turner's like what do you mean and he's like oh god he's like well what about the fact that cigarettes cause cancer and he's like i don't he was very like you know like vaccine truther like on that front he was like i don't know he's like do your own research that's only like one school of thought yeah, like, but he was like there's, really more, sure. there's, more, more, there's more ways of finding out about cancer now that's why we're finding out about it <laughs> yeah we're yeah, just exactly. diagnosing more cases yeah yeah he, he was very much like a um not anti-vax more like a, one of those like climate deniers you know what I mean he's like well I don't know he's like listen like it's snowing and it's January so what are you gonna tell me like global warming exists you know like it's very like and Tim was just like oh my god you are an idiot meanwhile Tim is sat in his own chair reading like you know Sigmund Freud like dream interpretation you know from like 1875 or whatever and I was just like oh my god Tim you like continue to be like a full adult at like 12. Another part of this storyline is Tim is dabbling in psychology isn't he? Mm Mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And I did actually write here. I can see my daughter doing this kind of manipulation. He <laughs> pretends to can you can you just though can't you? Um, yeah. But he was uh, he pretended to smoke in order to get a, a reaction out of his dad, which kind of what what a reaction his dad? Yeah, well it did, but his dad had also just seen some lungs from lung cancer that day. <laughs> yeah, like literally black lungs from like a person who died of lung cancer. Um, but when you- Timothy when Timothy took the cigarettes, do you think like he sniffed them and it seemed like he liked the smell of the cig- cigarettes? Did anyone else think that? Well, yeah. I'll say this, a, an unsmoked cigarette does smell really, really nice. And I wonder if maybe he just didn't realise, you know? I quite like the smell of a bit of passive smoking. You don't smell it I that often. I hate it. I hate it. Wait, you mean you know cigarette when the cigarette is lit? Yeah, I hate people who vape. No oh, offence to any of our listeners. But if I'm walking behind somebody who's vaping, I just find it the most offensive thing in the world. Well, I yeah, used vape- to play, do you remember when I used to play darts? I used to play on a darts team. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all the girls in my darts team all gave up smoking and were just vaping but you could vape in any pub now some places don't let you vape anymore vaping is just as bad if not in some cases much I, worse. I know i know <laughs> well people are still doing it but this is like i don't know this is before i had my daughter so seven eight years ago gave yeah, yeah. when i was pregnant yeah. but anyway they used to the whole point of this story is they used to vape and they used to get these different flavor ones from the market and they used yeah. to have like bubble gum candy and candy oh, cloth awful and the apple, it, honestly, it was I, I, honestly, it was like, can we just stop? I just made me feel sick. And then when I was pregnant, yeah. I was like, I'm not, I'm giving up. Well, I'll say this. If you, if everyone is smoking plain cigarettes, then at least it all smells the same. But like mixing like watermelon, candy, apple, like tutti frutti, whatever the hell bullshit. And that, that would just be like, no, 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 no. I don't. I'll tell you what I, I do like miss that. about smoking. I don't miss ashy feet or anything like that. And I don't miss the, miss the smell of smoking my hair from nightclubs and stuff. But I do miss it masking people's Trump smells. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> and when they banned it, you were just like, oh my God, it's awful. It smells of farts. It's disgusting. Oh, God. What's wild to think about is like places where you used to be able to smoke and then now thinking about smoking in those places again. Like, I mean, there used to be smoking in hospitals. Yeah. Like, there also, you know, restaurants. Like, they used to have non smoking sections next to the smoking section. I know. I know. Well, also, can you imagine smoking on a plane? I know. I, mean, oh, I, I know. Just, like, I, I couldn't in a million years imagine. I know. I remember it. I remember people no. smoking on planes. I know. And just, I mean, that, talk about if you're not a smoker and you don't want to be around cigarette smoke, smoking on a plane and then having to, oh no, oh my God. No, no, no. Also, not can I just good. say about this storyline? So they've obviously given up smoking. Dr. Turner's actually seen firsthand the effects of smoking. So he's really into it. He's into yeah. getting a chest clinic sorted. He's all doing it. And also, there's another storyline about um, a, a man who's got lung cancer. We'll talk about him in a second. But Sheila is very much still trying to have one or two fags a day. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she's like be Sheila. Behind. They're coffin nails, Sheila. You know the way he has spider. <laughs> I will say though, like, okay, just a quick, just before I make this point, I'll make one point very quickly. I don't know if you guys ever had this, but like, but in America in the 1980s and 90s, we had a big like war on drugs, and you know, just say no. Yeah, just say no, and that was like very. I mean, that's a very complicated history, like, you know, with a lot of, you know, sadness or whatever. But and th- and this isn't funny, but there was a commercial during that time that I think everyone in America of our age group will, re- will remember, where there was a kid who was smoking, I, th- I want to say maybe he was, it was like heroin, or he was doing like cocaine or something like that in his bedroom. I mean, it was a hard drug, or maybe it was marijuana. I don't know. But it was, he was smoking some, it was like an illegal drug he was smoking. Well, the way it's gone from really hard from heroin to marijuana. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> I, I do think, I don't think it was weed. I do think it was something like, stronger than that but the thing that was wild was so the kid is smoking on his bed the dad opens the door and just to like ask him a question or something like that and he sees the drug paraphernalia on the bed and he goes over and he's like oh my god what is this like how could you do this why are you doing this and he says and the kid then responds he's like dad I learned it from watching you, dad. And it's this whole big thing. And the dad immediately goes ghost white, like pale, like white as a sheet. And he's just like, like, couldn't believe, you know, like this moment of like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know. And it was like, it was, it just like turned the whole conversation and the commercial on its head. It was very clever advertising, actually. Well, Jen, let me tell you about a British version. But that, yeah. Well, so over here, it was a hell of a lot darker. We had a TV show called Grange Hill. Uh Have you heard of Grange Hill? Yeah, 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 definitely. So Grange Hill, they had this really big storyline and all the cast actually went over to America to meet Nancy uh, Reagan. Reagan, oh just God, say yeah. no, for the Just Say No campaign. Yeah, the Empress. Um, of, so Zama was a character in uh, Grange Hill and he overdosed on heroin in the toilet. Mm. And I must have been, looking back, I must have been four or five or six when I'm watching this. Um, yeah, we were having young. heroin, just passing out in a toilet, nearly dying. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, casual. And... Uh, <laughs> But that was our campaign. This must, and it was so effective. It really shook us all, you know, because we were gonna we were gonna take up heroin at our primary school. <laughs> you were so close. I will say this Starting. though: never done heroin, so maybe it did work. <laughs> well, the other one, and not to like memory lane about all these drug ads from the 1980s and 90s, but like the other one that was really, really, really like, you know, like burned in our brains or whatever is it was like this very gritty kind of um, cinematography kind of, you know, style with the camera and everything. And they're in, and the, the scene is that they're in a kitchen and there's a person, who, I can't remember if it was a man or woman, but there's a person holding a fire, a, a frying pan, frying pan, like a skillet on the flame, like on an open flame. So it's getting hot. And he go, and I, I don't remember what the preamble was, but it's something like drugs. And then he like and then he like cracks a a raw egg into the skillet and it starts immediately like sizzling bubbling you know all this kind of stuff like that like you know really cooking like really hard and he goes that's your brain on drugs and like (laughs) (laughs) it was the end of the commercial and now that i'm thinking back on it i don't know what i'm supposed to get (laughs) like i really don't <laughs> what that's supposed to mean but at the time it was like <gasps> i mean i think what they were going to say was that it would is that it would fry your brain is what yeah. they were really trying to intimate there obviously but i just well, remember I've like got... this is your brain on drugs and like that was a huge that was a huge thing when we i've got kids. one more memory i will, will get back to call the midwife but there was, a, <laughs> there was an ad campaign over here that was really dark now bex i would say do you remember this but bex doesn't remember last week i don't have so, a memory of any of this no. no there was a campaign and it was about aids and it was about don't die of ignorance you know, educate yourself on, oh. on HIV and everything like that. And my, we were tiny and my brother was crying in bed one night, really upset. And my dad was like, what's wrong? And he was like, I don't want to die of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> it makes us laugh still loads. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Keep looking at Jen, he's making me giggle more. Jen's absolutely <laughs> lost it. Oh my God, I don't want to die <laughs> But it was a huge, huge campaign over here. And it just reminded me then. I thought, I've got to say that story because it's amazing. Oh, oh my God. Oh, you know, I, I those kind of things when kids do them to me are so wonderful. Like, I think everybody has stories like that from their childhood that either they said or somebody else said. Oh, my God. That is so good. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't want to tell Anyway, let's get back to lung cancer. So, <laughs> so there's a guy in this. I've, what, Becky, do you remember his name? The bouncer. Frank guy. Phillips. What was his name? Frank Phillips. Frank Phillips. What a cool name. He was. He was a bit. Of, oh, when I say he was a bit older, he was probably like our age. Uh, and no, he, uh, I think he. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was probably our age. He was about. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> uh, usually they're quite young. The dads in this are like early twenties, aren't they? Normally, when you see them, yeah, yeah. Uh, the baby, with- yeah, so but they're they're just having their babies, whereas he had older children. 
Yeah, well, no, they weren't that old. They were only about three and one. No, they weren't one. He was really was Well, cute. His baby was like not even one. Oh, the baby was, yeah, the baby was. No, but he had an older child. Like, I would say between five and ten. Oh, really? I thought it was about three. No. They were definitely definitely an older couple for, for Poplar. That's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, he's been, and baby he was holding, by the way, was absolutely ridiculously cute. It was really chubby wearing knitwear, like the best kind oh of baby. Oh my gosh, I know, I know. Lush, lush, and lush. he was kind of refusing, he's been diagnosed with lung cancer and obviously he'd been working in clubs and everything. It makes you think, did he get it from that? You know, but he was refusing oh. radiotherapy because he wanted everyone to see how strong he was still. He didn't want the last memories of his well, family. Well, he didn't, yeah, him. he didn't want them, them to have memories of him ill. Yeah. So basically the whole point with, uh, with this whole chest clinic and everything was trying to, Dr. Turner trying to persuade him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the mm-hmm. end, it did work. Uh, he did want to spend more time with his uh, with his family and his wife was saying, you know, you, could there be more well, time? I don't think it's that he didn't want to spend time with <laughs> No, 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 Stabby, no. <laughs> i got to get away from my family. i got to get away from it's my family. Like an extreme version of Alex's bed rest. Imagine if he's just like, I can't this is my way out. No, I didn't mean that. I meant that Dr. Turner was there trying to persuade him, sorry, to spend time, spend more time, saying he could get spend more time if he did radiotherapy. Oh. He thought it made, made that, that his last time with his family would be him being really weak and awful with the radiotherapy. He didn't realise it would actually help him. Um, so well, that was kind of... He didn't... He didn't... He wanted to stay his him his same self for as long as possible until the very end, and then yeah, and he thought that the radiotherapy would kind of compromise that for sure. Even though, and it will, but it will also give him a better quality of life for a longer period for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, so they they obviously Dr. Turner also managed to get a clinic, uh, a chest clinic once a month, and that's he wanted once a month. But Timothy told him to say he wanted twice a month, demand more, and get half, and that's exactly what he did with his Timothy psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, also mm-hmm. another thing that was good was the turners have also given up smoking but sheila says she's got a mind to take um her new dresses out of uh, tim's allowance because she's eaten so many biscuits just made me laugh <laughs> Look, can we also <laughs> talk about a lot well that's because did you have the scene where tim was volunteering at the clinic oh and she does the chest palpitations on him yeah i love that poor tim oh like... god <laughs> he's like their he's like their crash test dummy for everything on that show i mean that child they use they her must- that filming that scene must have been hilarious when she's <laughs> doing percussion yeah yeah and he's like oh i didn't expect this to be coming yeah oh God. they must oh, have wait. had so many outtakes of giggles from that yeah can we just like pause though on two lines one is tim when they do the whole cigarette smoking thing and doctors dr turner's like never smoke again i never want to see you smoking and i'm gonna give up too and everything and tim is like they they he says something like then later on sheila's eating the biscuits and they're talking about the clinic and how dr turner got more than he wanted and he was like oh he's like i followed your tips for like this kind of psychology or whatever he's like oh well i've been studying psychology for years and I'm like, you're 14, t-. Like, it just it just made me laugh when he was like, years. I was like, oh, what? Like, two years? Like, a year? You know, like, just how hilarious that was. And then the other line was Phil, Philip, um, what'd you say? Frank Phillips? Frank Phillips. Yeah. When Dr. Turner goes to his house to kind of make one last impassioned plea to, like, start radiotherapy and everything, he's looking at some photos on the wall and Frank is like, oh, you know, I used to I used to work at this jazz club, but I was the muscle on the door. Like, I'd, you know, start some fights and break some up. And I can't remember what he said his wife's name was, but he was like, like, oh, you know, we met there. That's how she knew me and everything. She said I was like a movie star to her. And she never looked at anyone in the club ever. And I was like, she thought you were a movie star? I mean. Uh, oh, oh, Jen. Yes. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, you just was a very run-of-the-mill man. Like, look, if love makes you he see someone. He was no someone, Jimmy. <laughs> God. I just, I don't know. It was it was a very sweet line and, like, clearly showed her love for him. But it just was, like, funny that he was like, oh, she calls me her movie star. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. It just was, like, good. I, You know, great. Like, love that for you guys, Lord I guess. For them. Yes. 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 And that's that maybe maybe that memory triggered him to decide to stay around longer so that he could he could have that love for longer. Shall we talk now about Fred and Violet? Oh, I love Fred and Violet. I just want to be Fred and Violet. I love I Fred know. and Violet. I love it. Now there's a couple that I couple goals. They yeah, they really are the goal right there. Well, yes. I like the way they were doing exercise together as well. Yeah. And I put you. my back into spasm like that. I was in the shower and I literally bent over. Yeah. And then I was like 
I, I did it last week with, you know, how I've been sick and everything. I was coughing so much. And then like Friday of last week, I literally like coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed. And then I, and then I stood up and all of a sudden I was like, and like everything was gone. Like the, like I literally was just like Violet bent over the bed, just holding on when Dr. Turner comes and sees her. And he's like telling Fred that she has to lay on a board and all that for a whole week. That's what I was like. What kind of so painful. Handle on or handle off. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to lay on it, not open it, Fred. Oh, and did you catch the other line about like not wanting the bathroom door as well? I was like, oh my goodness, Fred. Because he just started looking around the house. They take a door off around the house. Still have my dignity. Uh, my dad did this when I was at school. I remember him having to lie on a board. So did you? either of you have to lie on a board? Bed. I didn't lie on a bed. You lied on your bed. I and laid on the floor. And <laughs> I laid on the floor and I just told myself I was doing yoga. And then I just... My dad, I remember he was literally in, ho- in bed for like a week and he had this massive plank of wood that he had to sleep on that the doctors gave us. Yeah. Yeah. My mom has a really, really, really firm mattress for just this reason. Not because her back is out, but because she like has had back problems. And she's like, that's the best thing for a back is a firm, oh, firm I'm not, mattress. I'm not going to jinx this. I'm not going to jinx it. <laughs> I love I the bell love... that she had as well. Yeah, I was going to say this because I stay. I had sleepover um, at my niece and nephew's last week. And my niece left a bell by my bed. Did you actually use it? No, I didn't. But it was for for you? Yeah, so it was basically for room service, either ding the bell or just yell. Oh. Well, for the the actual... um... Bex actually sent us a picture of this and I was like you need to use that yeah I was like I'm going to yell it in the middle of the night while she's asleep and then demand something (laughs) (laughs) I wish you had that it would have been amazing oh wait I have to to you. (laughs) oh I see it pretty cute oh my gosh room service ding bell or yell welcome to room spare I know how cute Oh my that. gosh, that I will tell you what. And she even set you up with like little stuffed animals. Yeah. It was oh cuteness. My gosh. The kids are like really going for it. Anyway, so back anyway. to Fred and Violet. Yes. So Sorry. Violet's out of action. She can't do any exercise. Not even exercise. What am I saying? She can't do, she can't any do anything. She can't, she can't even anything. like do open the shop is my point because of the yeah. exercise. So Fred decides he is gonna be I- a man of action. What's he gonna be, Bex? A haberdashera. <laughs> I love a pun. So cute. My favourite thing, though, is when he opens the door and his first two appointments are a brassiere fitting and then a woman's there for a monthlies. And he's like, monthly what? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it's amazing. You know what? I think I'm just going to start referring to my monthlies. Yeah. yeah. I do quite, I don't want to do it in a sort of, I want to do it in like an East End, my monthlies. I got my yeah. monthlies. No, no, that, no was. that was, I don't know what that was either. It um, sounded like, it sounded like, <laughs> Mothleys. Anyways, I've got a lot uh, of work to do. So Fred calls in the reinforcements and gets Barbara in. By the way, and I used to do bra measurements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I worked at Emmons. And like, of course, big surprise that it's Barbara that he manages to rope in on a day off, you know? I know, yeah. Barbara's getting a bit more assertive though because she was like, I've only got a half day and he's like, don't apologise. And she's like, I, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, real assertiveness would have been like, no, I'm doing something else. I'm not going to the shop. But she was like, oh, I will help. Like, of course, Barbara's so... Like she always pitches in. Oh, it's like my they, dream job. It really is your dream job with those yeah, little just, buttons and like vintage ones as well of that, of that era. Yeah, I, I just love it. I just want to be. I combined just want to be Fred and Vi. You know what else, Bex? I was thinking. I bet they had buttons, like commemorative buttons for the royal babies and stuff. Oh, I'm sure they did. They had commemorative everything way back then. Yeah, because yeah, I've wa- I've been watching ahead this week. I've watched a lot of called midwives this week, and um, there's a bit where the queen's expecting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I knew right. it'd be one of your favorites. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's been a lot of. I was like, yeah, me and Vi are basically the same person. You know, you know what I wish that we could have gotten was um Vi's uh order from her stockist. I really want to know what she's ordering every week. Yeah. I want to hear all because it's like, huh? Elastic, elastic, bra extenders, napkins, buttons, muslin, probably um shields shields but well, we'll shield. never know because fred forgot to order it i know and the woman on the phone was so stern she's like no i'm late i don't have time for this bye and then she and he was like oh he totally dropped the ball not really bad for fred but at the same time he did insist he could do it and then couldn't 
Yeah, but what got me was, and I didn't catch the lady that comes back when Vi opens up the shop again. Yeah. And she finds out that Fred's put the order in late so that she's not going to get a delivery in time. The customer comes back and she's like, what were you thinking leaving him in charge? He ran himself ragged. He still couldn't get it right. He really tried. And I'm like, hang on, you're criticising him, but also reinforcing how much effort he put in. Yeah. Well, yeah, but also basically seeing he's a chump. Yeah. Like, he's, he and tried, but he's so fire. useless. Anything he could do, no be good. And he, like, ruined, like, the one thing that you have in your life, basically. Yeah. And she was like, that's not all I've got in my life. Get out of my shop. Get out of my pub. Yeah. That's it. That's an EastEnders <laughs> reference. <laughs> and then she says you may be a chump, but you're my chump, which is yeah. really awful. Really mm. awful, Violet. <laughs> <laughs> but then, <laughs> sorry, Fred gives her a big hug and a kiss, and he tries to pick her up, and she's like, no, 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 don't my, don't my back. My back is hurting me. And then he's like, oh, it was very cute. You don't often see, like, usually I feel like when you see people getting picked up, like, in that kind of a way, it's like, you know, two, like, very young people. And I was like, oh, he's, like, so cute. Like, he has a very young spirit, Fred does. It's very sweet. Yeah, I really like, I really enjoy them, too. I think it's a really lovely, like, I think they've really got good chemistry as well, the actual actress, actors. <laughs> I yeah. do as well. I like, to, yeah. I like to think of them as together in real life. Mm. God. Well, Fred <laughs> <That's> is... <psychopath. laughs> Well, Fred is like a full flirt, you know what I mean? Like, and he just gives that energy to like kind of everyone. But I mean, really with Vi, obviously it's turned way, way up because I mean, that's his wife and everything. But he, he, he's just such a cutie. Oh man, he's so cute. I do love him. All right. Now, well, lady, are oh. we done on yes. that storyline? Because yes. we've got, we obviously have the zero, heroes and zeros, but I do have something special coming up. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we're done, we're done. But can I just add something that I meant to say at the beginning? When we were talking about Roseanne Dolly, yeah. I, I don't know why, but at the end, I got this I got this sense. Do you guys... Now, obviously, it's very, very different. But do you guys feel like her storyline with her husband could have been like an epilogue to the movie Pretty Woman? And I'll make my case. <laughs> I'll make my case here. Okay, because... Pure silence from us. <laughs> because Roseanne is a sex worker, okay? She meets her husband. Yeah. He's older and has gray hair, okay? Which is like Richard Gere. But, but I will just say now, Roseanne and Dennis met in church. Richard Gere and Julia Roberts met in very I, different circumstances. I know they did. I know they did. But you could imagine like the Julia Roberts character in Pretty Woman having kind of a background perhaps like, you know, Roseanne which maybe is what led her to that life but she also still was kind of sweeter and you know like interested in like kind of turning her life around and everything like that which is maybe why she did go to church in the first place I know Julie Roberts character didn't go but like you know what I mean and then like what happens if because at the end of Pretty Woman it's like oh like they do stay together like and then they have a relationship for real for real and obviously like it's not the same in Call the Midwife but like Julie the Roseanne character doesn't have money but like you know Mr. Doss Mr. Dolly does and he like takes care of her and she's like the lady of the house which is kind of like a like a so economic like shift upwards and everything and he takes really good care if of her if we say yes can we do the heroes and zeros <laughs> <laughs> plus she has a friend just like julia roberts had a friend that like they meet up in the middle of the storyline and yeah, I, did, I really didn't like pretty woman I, i'm not saying i'm not saying it's like a great story but i'm just saying like th th it just seems similar anyways now, I'll, I'll i bought case, i've but. told you to that i bought a strapless top this week so that i could when i'm gardening i don't get tan lines and then i discovered that i'd actually purchased a mini skirt which i've been <laughs> wearing as a top the top slash mini skirt is basically exactly what julia roberts would wear in pretty woman <laughs> the similarities continue yeah um no i don't <laughs> see it jen sorry <laughs> That's fine. I, I don't know that I'm like. I know, I know your point. I get. I do. There are similarities. Sex work, yes. Yeah. It's 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 a loose connection. I I get that. <laughs> right. Heroes and zeros, ladies. Who's going first? Beck. Okay. So my hero is going to be Nurse Crane. Nice. Because she really supported Roseanne. My zero is going to be Mrs. Dash because she really dropped the ball. <laughs> But she did have a very successful conglomerate business in America selling <laughs> herbs and spice. Exactly. Yeah. She was getting herb and spice though. Yeah. Okay. My hero is Delia. Oh, yeah. Not just for oh. the birth. And I love that they toasted her, by the way. I was loving that. And I loved how proud oh, Patty yeah. looked. Yeah. But my reason is also, well, my main reason for her is because she took the comment about Sister Monica Jones telling her, your bones must have the strength of an oxen because she has a milky brew. <laughs> so uh, she took that with such good humour. So she is the hero. And my zero is Trixie. Because oh, I felt no. very annoyed at her dad, at Violet in the uh, in the class at the very, very start. 
it wasn't very a body positive thing. She just kept getting really annoyed with Violet saying, just this once, I'll stop. And just getting a bit annoyed while she was doing her aerobics class. Hmm. That's it. Okay. Okay. My zero will be smoking. I, I've i never liked it. I've always complained about Dr. Trisha smoking. I'm glad we finally have a step forward to him quitting. And I, I'm i just, I don't like cigarettes and cigarette smoking. So glad that that is over for them. And my, my hero is going to be, you know what? I was going to say Phyllis, but I will turn it around a little bit because I'm going to give Roseanne the hero on this one because she, her storyline was a little bit, kind of wacky to me at times but and I don't mean wacky and like silly I mean wacky and that it was kind of all over the place and I was I was not grasping it um at times but I you know once I understood what what was really happening for her I felt a lot of sympathy and you know the things that you know it takes a lot of time and and work to kind of you know recover from something like what she had to go through in life but you know with the help and support of people around her she was able to come back and start that journey and I was really happy for her that it worked out that way and so yeah I want to give her a hero because I want her to succeed and I want her to be a good mom and I want her and um Mr. Dolly to have a happy life so that's a good one but also I've just remembered Mrs. Tanner should have been my hero, but I've given it to Delia now. Doesn't matter. Now, ladies, <laughs> speaking of okay. heroes, do we remember last week when we had an anonymous 17-year-old who didn't want um, us telling her teachers? Yeah. And I said, are there any people younger than 17 who listen? <gasps> well, ladies. Oh. It- <laughs> what did you say, Bex? Is it Alex's daughter? It is not. <laughs> no, she didn't listen. She's like, turn this crap off. No, she's not. Okay. We've got somebody called Lila who's messaged. And the oh, uh, the message is entitled, Love the Pod. Ooh. You ready? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm a 14-year-old who loves Call the Midwife along with you girls. I absolutely love your episodes each week. It always puts a smile on my face. And I love in-depth talks about all the little details. I love Call the Midwife, but all my friends have no interest in it. <laughs> so it's always nice to have some people to listen talk about it. Keep it going. Lovely emoji faces. Lila. Oh, Lila. Amazing is that. So big, massive shout out to you, Lila. Thank you so much for listening. You are yes. more than And I'm so sorry that you haven't got 14-year-old friends who watch Call the Midwife with you. What are they doing? I will say, Lila, like that, I think you're very mature for your age to be like watching the show and so invested in it, but I love it. Yeah, love it so much. And Julie oh. Coates, another who we love. Our she superstar. Like I love the message you received from your 17-year-old listener. And then she said, how much time do the three of you spend each week on the project? So I sent that through to you. <laughs> you I was did, like, yeah. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but she's like, it must be substantial. And do you know what, Julie? It is substantial, really, if you think about it all is. the episodes we have to watch yeah. and we write notes. But we do really love it. And we really, really enjoy everyone's comments. So thank you so much for getting in contact, everyone. Yes. Ditto uh, everything you just said. Just one real quick one before we go as well. So do you remember we did the episode on uh, the Mullocks and obviously the whole situation with Bernie Mullocks and we were like, Bernie Mullocks is trash. Oh, now, yeah. called Gloria message. Now, I'm not going to read a whole message or even go into the whole message. It was, she's she's a, a mother of a disabled child and she okay. did a really long message and it was really, really good, uh, but she doesn't want us to read out. But it was very good at finding things from his side, like the shock of it as well. Okay, um, so what, what did she say for him, for him as a redeemer? Just basically... Redeemer. It's a bit more. There's more. It's more complex than than we realise, which I think is very good point for to be made. But okay. Someone here has done another message, which is kind of adds on to that. So on Instagram, Tiziana Casa, love the name. So she said, as I listen to your podcast, I wanted to add that I do think some of Mr. Mullock's appalling attitude towards disabled people still existed. They certainly still existed in the 50s and 60s in Malta, where I'm from. So hello from Malta. Hello to Malta. Like I love this. Okay. Some are still keeping disabled relatives at home, hiding them from the rest of society. My grandmother had two disabled children, but fortunately. She understood that all children deserve love and the best care. Love to all, and thank you for keeping me company while I eagerly wait the next series. Well, can I just say that was an amazing insight? Because obviously we were there thinking, oh no, it wouldn't happen, it wouldn't happen. Well, she has proof it did. So my point mm-hmm. being, it's a much more complex issue. Um, and also it still happens because, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the Ukraine's, I mean, we're getting too political now, but that's one of the reasons why the Ukraine's can't join the EU. Wait, what? Yeah. Because of the, of their kind of their policy and treatment of disabled children. Oh, should- okay. I, I don't I don't know all of that information or history, but uh, yeah, definitely. I do think it's very easy to watch. Yeah, until you're in that situation, I do. And even when you are in that situation, everybody's reaction is going to be different. Exactly. I don't think you can and judge also, we anybody. are quite light-hearted. We weren't trying yeah, to offend a bit anyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. I do think I did. I I think I 
defended Bernie. You did. We you shut did. Him down. No, I, I, I fully, I fully accept that I was absolutely merciless just the most to him. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hard on him, so I appreciate that nuance and insight, and I, I definitely take it to heart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for the messages. Anyway, that was, it was really good to get these. Kind yeah. Of yeah. But also, thank you to the fourteen-year-old. Love it. Uh, next week we shall be watching series five, episode six. So if you can watch that and then listen along, that would be amazing. And any messages, followers, and everywhere, we'll be here. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. See you next week. Ciao, ciao. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.